Welcome back to the Raw Take for CEOs, where we tackle today's issues and how they impact your business. And this is hosted by me, Dan. And Steven. We'll give you our raw take on what's important for your business. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. It is Wednesday, May 19th. Uh, today we have a special episode. It's going to be focused all around marketing and how marketing has been impacted through COVID. We have a special guest with us, one of our customers, Frog and Toad, a local Rhode Island business retail company. We'll learn a little bit more about them. We decided to bring them on today because they have a quite unique approach to marketing, uh, both their strategy, their mindset, how they thought about things, how they pivoted through COVID. I think it'll be a fun, exciting story, and we're excited to have them on. Um, so that's today's topic. Bring Asher in. Cool. Asher, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Yes. We are live. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. We're excited to have you on because you are both a unique perspective on marketing and how you think about it, but also you've done a tremendous job and you and your team have done a tremendous job in like um, over the past 14, 14 months now, really pivoting with COVID. You know, I think COVID one thing, not to kind of kick it off here in this way, but COVID has kind of forced a lot of retail businesses specifically to change how they do things, right? So before getting too deep into that, do you mind giving us kind of a little bit background on yourself and the team and kind of frog and toad and what you guys are all about? Sure. So at our core, we are a brick and mortar uh, retail storefront with two locations. We opened uh, 20 years ago uh, for the sole reason that both my wife and I didn't like our day jobs. So uh, we felt like we were young enough to uh, take a chance and, uh, you know, we didn't have a mortgage or kids. Um, so we just did. And like, you know, 20 years goes by really quickly. Uh, in that time, um, you know, now we make our own greeting cards and sell them to other stores around the country. Uh, we've got our own print shop where we, you know, print t-shirts and tote bags for other clients. Um, and I, th I think we've just uh, done our best to, to change and grow um, just to stay, you know, viable in, in what's a pretty volatile landscape out there on, on Main Street for retailers. And what was the, can you tell us a little bit more about like, what was the mindset when going in and creating Frog and Toad? Like what type at inception, not right now, but like what type of products were you looking to sell? Like what did that product line look like then? It's like, it's so interesting to think back to then. I, I, I will say this, like at our core, um, we wanted to remain uh, flexible just to have the maximum ability to change what it was that we were curating, which is why we settled right out of the gate on a name for our business that was pretty arbitrary and, and vague because we felt like, okay, well, you know, maybe in a couple of years, we'll just want to sell jewelry if that's what the market wants. So um, I think, you know, from, from the onset, we wanted to be uh, somewhat amalgamous so that we could, we could change over time. Um, but I will say that when we first opened, we, we were like almost more of like a, of a, uh, a furniture store. We had a lot of like imported uh, Chinese uh, uh, cabinets and tables, parasols and lighting. And nobody would even recognize the store back then uh, if they're accustomed to, to coming in now. Wow. Yeah. And I was with that because you have a very, obviously, as you said, like a very different product line now. And 
Um, well, I, I want to get into your product line now and how that works, but what was your thought process of marketing upfront? Like with, with furniture, with like all these different items, did you, did you have like a marketing strategy? And granted, we were 20 years ago, so things looked a lot different. Yeah. And what you were able to do, but what was, how did you think about marketing back then? Well, you know, in many ways, similarly as I do now, uh, it's just that the tools are different now, obviously. Um, but, you know, as you're asking this question, I'm like, I'm thinking about like uh, some of the direct mail campaigns that we had uh, in our early years, which featured full illustrations of my wife uh, with like, like really ridiculous face expressions on holding a sign that says crazy errands, two day sale, we will not be undersold, really silly stuff. And I think that was probably like the first inkling that we were unconventional in our, in our marketing approach. And also, you know, human centered. I think that uh, in, to a large degree, we realized at the beginning that, you know, we were the very definition of a mom and pop business. And so I think a lot of our marketing focused on who we were as people you know, both as we, that related to our community and to our customers, like with over-the-counter conversation. I think, I think a lot of what marketed our business at the beginning was that, that folks knew us and that, you know, when, when folks shop with us, they were checking out at the counter with the owner of the store, you know, and what, what does that mean, um, you know, for that, that retail uh, experience, you know, it's different than shopping at, at Target, where it's, you know, it's a, it's a cashier who's like you or me in every other way, except they don't actually manage and run that business, right? And it felt more, it feels more personal, right? And I, I feel like that's an approach that you've always tried to portray. I think it's, so, yeah. It's the local aspect of it. And so now walk us a little bit through history. You, you mentioned that you have the print shop and um, a couple other things going on. Throughout history, they started furniture and a couple random other items. How has how did that shift? What was the cause of that shift? Was it something in the market? Was it was it just hey, I want to I want to sell different items? Like what what caused you to shift your product line? I think I think just like intuitively knowing that we had to do that to stay like viable, um, and then also I, I I can't overstate that piece about being a, a shopkeep working at their counter. I mean, you're able to identify and respond to what people's interests and purchasing habits are. Um, you know, like you hear firsthand on a daily basis, like do you guys stock this, do you have that? And I think that like how we've evolved over time in part was responding to that market interest. I won't say demand, but that market interest. And then I think beyond that, I just, I realized that Creating our own original creative content to stock and sell uh, was critical to our longevity. You know, to being able to brand ourselves as a unique place where you could only get that thing here. I mean, I go to other boutiques that are similar in scale to mine around the country, and it it's it's it is kind of messed up how you go into like a store and you see the same product that's, you know, back there in a boutique in Providence or Portland, Maine, and you start to see this like common thread through all these businesses. Not that that's a negative, but it always bothered me. It always bothered me when I saw that because it, it felt like a 
like it was it felt personal it felt like i wasn't doing my best it felt like i was being like all the other guys and i think that i don't know i think that it's just like in my dna that that i don't want to be that i want i want yeah. to be in some way set apart it wasn't the traditional gift shop at an airport if you will Correct. um and I, I guess with that, it's an interesting point because with that, I feel like you probably have a, um, on one side of the equation, you have a leg up, right? Because you have a unique product offering, right? But on the flip side of that, for better or for worse, it also makes it a little bit more challenging to market those products, right? Because it is a unique product. You don't have, it's not the same product that is in Target, right? It is a little bit harder. How do you think about what, like with that being said, with that in the back of your mind, how do you think about your marketing strategy? Like if you were to, how do you think about marketing? I know this is a vague question, but is there like a, a framework that you think about marketing through? How do you think about getting in front of consumers? I boil it down to, I guess, two uh, different key points. The first one is I really hate marketing. I think that it has... Um, compromise the integrity of our society. Um, I can't get on my phone without being marketed to or sold something. I can't drive on the street without seeing advertising. I can't, I can't read my paper without reading an article that's based on a press release. I went to CNN uh, and, and checked out their homepage yesterday. And I think probably like 10 articles above the fold, uh, the, uh, the virtual fold. We're clearly like a marketing article, you know, that was just placed there by by uh, an ad exec, basically. Um, so I just hate it. I don't like being sold stuff. I just I want to like live my life and uh, just kind of be happy, independent of that. And I feel like we have a constant barrage coming at us, especially with social media now, where um, I don't know. I just fear that uh, one day I'm gonna go to sleep and wake up and feel like my whole life went by and all I was 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 a sales target, you know. So um, I hate that. I hate marketing. Um, but I also um, have taken the approach that I'm the guy that I'm marketing to. So I guess that's driven me to have a little bit more of a human-centered approach to it, to focus on people, um, to tell people stories, uh, to be humanly funny, uh, to be different and weird, because in a way we all are different and weird. Um, so I think that that core uh, hatred that I have for the industry of marketing has led me to, to maybe look at different approaches that work better for me and for my customer. The other thing, too, I think is for a business of my scale, it kind of all happens under the same roof, right? So in whatever capacity, I have a hand in uh, the concept and creation of many of the things that we sell. And that lends itself to like a genuine, honest belief and love for what I am effectively marketing to people. And if you're in marketing and you don't have that in your job, that's, that's okay. You know, that's like, that's just the reality of a lot of jobs, but I, I feel lucky that I have that. And I, I, I think for anybody that's in that industry, aspire, aspire to, to be able to market something that you actually really believe in. And I think that that therein lies the biggest difference in being successful and in being happy. That makes sense. And I, I also feel like between those lines is also 
there's a sense of um, authenticity, right? In, in your marketing, right? Is because with that, with that mindset of I'm, I'm marketing to the same person who I am, right? It's like, I, I hate marketing, right? I hate people that market to me. And so knowing that I'm going to approach things differently, right? And there's a couple examples um, uh, with Frog and Toad of just the pure authenticity behind your marketing strategy. Whether it's unintentional, right? That seemed to be a, a, a trend with our own marketing with Growth Lab, to be honest, is like, it's been a very unintentional journey. While it's been like somewhat intentional, right? I can't take credit for everything, right? And so one example, I think, that, that we that we kind of bring up often is you guys put out a um, a sign on the sidewalk once uh, I think it was around Christmas time right two years ago something like that right and it was it was a John Travolta gift uh, gift wrapping by John Travolta inside right and I'm sure you guys just did that because you thought it was funny right <laughs> funny and probably like gets people to look at it and possibly come in right with no concept of actually hiring John Travolta to be in the store, right? And you got some backlash over that. And that's a, that's a strong word, maybe not the right thing, but you guys got a one-star review on, on Facebook, however you want to review that, right? Which may in, it, in of itself be better marketing for you guys. Uh, but I think it goes back to that theme of like authenticity, right? You guys thought it was funny. You guys enjoyed it and you just did it, right? It wasn't about how am I going to calculate the ROI on this sign and bring it out there, right? <laughs> it was about, hey, I think this is funny. I think that my consumers will, will identify and align with it. Let's do it, right? I also think it's so important because you're, you're not marketing to the people who, who wouldn't think that was funny. You know, you know who your customer is and that's, that sign is for your customer, you know? Yeah, and, and I think also like, it's a little bit of a, to your point, it's like a firewall in, in a sense, right? Like it's, it's, I'm saying this thing and, uh, and yeah, if you get that, you're our people. The customer is not always right. It's preventing. It is exactly. Um, so when we get that one-star review, Corey, to your point, yeah, like nobody wants to get that, but at the same time, like what that one-star review and that that reviewer who was just genuinely so disappointed that the real John Travolta wasn't in our 800 square foot boutique actually gift wrapping his present. The fact that that person was like saddened and upset by that provided uh, myself and our, and, and our staff so much joy, so much team building in what is always a very rigorous holiday season that even if there weren't any sort of residual uh, marketing quotient to it which there was it um the reward was right there in itself just uh we're all human beings and some of us miss a joke and uh maybe that's the funniest part of the joke i don't know well then you get the aspect where people actually jump on the review and read it and think <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> and then come in for that reason but what you guys did in the aftermath of that which i think is like a theme um as well is you guys took like screenshots of that one star review and you publicized it in certain matters, right? Like you, you actually leaned into something that many people would stray away from, right? It's not, it's not often that people are posting one star review, one star Google reviews on their social media or, or publicizing that, right? But you guys, uh, you guys have le uh, leaned into a lot of your marketing strategy, which I think is fascinating. How about in terms, Asher, like, 
competitors, right? So from a guy that hates marketing, that hates to be marketed to, right? How do you think about marketing and competing against other shops that sell maybe not the same item, right? Because it's it, all of your products are unique. How do you think about competitors in this space? And how could a, how could a retail shop that looks similar to you think about that? Or do you? I am going to be really honest and it's going to sound like braggadocio, um, but I don't think about competition in those terms, like at all. I don't think it's productive. I think the fact that, you know, there are other people out there with similar business models is motivational to a certain extent. But um, I think that I think I'm just more inclined to look at it as like inspirational. Like there, there are other businesses that, uh, I would say I have a similar model to ours that I take cues from, that I'm inspired by, that I have like respect for. And um, I think that in varying degrees, it influences uh, approaches that I might try or take. Um, you know, for example, there's a, 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 a print shop and boutique uh, in Colorado Springs called Lady Fingers Letterpress. And they've always been like this model of excellence for me. Um, because they're in the green card uh, industry as well, and because they have a shop, um, but their like their messaging is is incredibly human centered. It's it's very much about their journey as as people with their family at the forefront and negotiating the challenges that we've all faced over the past year. And I like for me like that's given me incentive or permission to. To maybe open up and and explore some other ways of communicating with my customer. So, short answer is like I don't I don't look at competition as like a threat. I look at it as like we're all kind of in this together and figuring it out um, together. And I think if if you're looking at, at at competition as a threat, you might be you might be in the in the in the wrong in industry you know i think it's i think it's far uh it's far better to be more introspective about how one can do better uh or be more successful if that makes sense yeah fascinating and i'm sure that that's maybe another lens to that is um it depends how you define a competitor, right? Because I think part of your your value proposition is um, is the authenticity, not just like in the marketing strategy, but it's in the products itself, right? Um, the unique products, um, and it's not just around, and it does not just come down to the dollar, right? There's more to it behind that, and if it just comes down to the next penny out of it to come in first place, you're you're going to get sidetracked in some spot, right? So you have to have a motivating factor behind everything. Yeah, Corey, it's like a long view, I think, too, to your sure. point. You know, if you get too tight on what your daily operations are with how they relate to your your uh, commercial landscape, you're missing the big picture and you're not thinking about where you're going to be in people's minds a year from now. Fascinating. So I want to kind of shift gears a bit, kind of bring this back to uh, the lens of COVID. Um, over the past 18 months. Can you tell us a little bit, so COVID hit, what, about 14 months ago, uh, pretty precisely. COVID hits, what goes through your mind? That, that first week, you know, people start going home, 
Um, and I know you have, a, there's a documentary out that um, I want to give a plug on um, that kind of incorporates some of your thinking behind this. But for people that are listening in right now, what goes through your mind that first week people go home, right? It's, it, it's virtual. You're a retail, mostly in-person shop. You've got a lot of foot traffic coming from uh, that, those streets that you're on. What do you think? Like, what, what, is, what, do you, what do you think is next steps for Frog and Toad at that point? I will never forget the day where myself and other merchants from our uh, commercial district here on Hope Street sat down and met with the representative of the city um, who was just, I think, sharing what information they did have about the, uh, the impact of the upcoming or the, the current pandemic, even at that time it was current. Um, and uh, that was when the full weight of the dread uh, set in because I could glean from this official that uh, this thing was way bigger than anybody had previously thought. I mean, they were talking about setting up food hubs because people are gonna be hungry and without food. And so in the city, part of their strategy was to be having like bases where the community could come to get free food. So, I mean, when, when you're talking in those terms, you're talking apocalyptic, right? So um, that, that was like a turning point for me uh, where that existential dread really just like fell down like a hammer. And I, I won't lie, I would say it was probably about two weeks um, uh, until I felt any, any sense of hope after. You know, I was, I was pretty much uh, incapacitated uh, with depression for a solid two weeks. And then, um, you know, I, I think it's just a human function that you, you have to, you know, try and work your way through that. And um, Frog and Toad was just incredibly lucky uh, where, you know, I think, I think we, we had the good fortune to hit upon a couple designs over the course of the past year that were so well received by the public that we were able to kind of like fall forward and work our way through um, you know, such a such a, an unprecedented and confusing time. Um, so I just I feel fortunate for that. I mean, I, also I can't uh, overstate enough like how how helpful Growth Lab has been for us. I should state that I'm not just a podcast guest. I'm also a client. Um, you know, we we realized Corey like right away that uh, we obviously weren't going to be that walk-in in-person boutique anymore. We closed for in-person shop March 16th. And from that point on, it was internet only. And while we had a better platform and position for entering into that new phase, like we had a lot of work to do to make that better likely to succeed. And fortunately, um, you know, I mean, we've, we've got an incredible staff here that, you know, are so invested in this business that everybody um, just kind of came together and, and did whatever was necessary to, to do that, to pivot and become a, a, an e-com business exclusively. What are some of those things that you, like, as you say that, like, what are some of those things that you did, not just moving inventory online and creating that online platform for people to shop, but what are like a few of those things that you did to get people to to visit that shop, right? You uh, you have a, a massive surrounding, uh, you have a massive following due to like the the local aspect of Frog and Toad, right? You guys have leaned into that, which has been amazing. But besides those people, how did you deem to attract new 
visitors to your site? Well, I mean, I think I can't say that it was a strategy per se or just something that happened organically, but over the course of the past year, I certainly saw um, this like unique position for ourselves in developing partnerships with uh, local nonprofits. Um, and that served, I mean, that came out of, I think, that existential crisis we were all facing. And I think it came out of the social justice movements that we all experienced in varying degrees over the course of the summer of 2020. And just wanting to be able to do more in some way, but also seeing that these types of partnerships and working with community organizations, like doing a design for, for a t-shirt where the proceeds benefit, uh, you know, fill in the blank organization, that kind of became a model for us. I think we just sort of like, realized that it felt good that uh, we saw the return on that that sweat equity investment in it um, and it I think it probably elevated our profile um, certainly on the Rhode Island level about maybe frog and toad isn't isn't just that store on the corner maybe maybe there's a, a core principle here that's that's runs a little bit deeper than that um, so I would point to that first and foremost as as being like a strategy, even though it wasn't entirely deliberate, that um, got us through a really, really challenging year. Beyond that, you know, I, it's it's really just been that um, that human aspect of of looking at where people were at through that time and trying to tell their stories. You know, I used that social media space to focus on a lot of other businesses that weren't as fortunate as me. Uh, the fishmonger that was closed for for two months, uh, the uh, the uh, the restaurant that you know wasn't allowed to do any in person dining. What was that like for them? Were they hopeful? Were they you know about to throw the 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 towel in? Um, and I just you know because we're all connected in this community, I felt like it was important to pay attention to those stories that otherwise maybe you know weren't being covered. Um, and that felt good too. And that, that again, comes back to that whole piece about like marketing doesn't have to suck. Like you can, you can use your platform and you can use those tools to do it in a way that feels good, you know? And I, I think that if I learned anything over the past year, it was that, it was that you can have real success by being genuine, honest, and good hearted. I think that myself and my team here just really wanted to lean into that. Yeah. I think that I feel like that's one thing that I hope kind of stays stays true post covid is i feel like if there's one benefit coming out of this like one one shining light is that i feel like a lot of small maybe more so small businesses like there there was truly a community formed right uh, of banding together helping each other and i think there was a community that while it was there before it wasn't really fully connected before right and i and i hope that this stays a theme post-COVID world um, and is not just like a, a quick quick fix. I'm so glad you said that. All of those community forums, like the, they were so inspiring and they were like just popping up like out of, 
you know, fear and need, but genuine care. And um, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember seeing that happening in real time and feeling, you know, it's just so excited by that. I'm curious how that would be one thing that I, I would like to like explore kind of forward looking is like, how do we continue to keep that? Because it wasn't just like, it wasn't just the social aspect of helping one another, right? But there's, there's so much more to it. It's not just about helping the next business, right? But it's about helping, uh, some of your products, uh, as you mentioned, like for each sale, it's, it benefits someone else, right? Not just another business, but truly another human being in need, right? And how do we reciprocate that? How do we, um, how do we create a ripple effect with that throughout the, not just the small business community, but about uh, through larger businesses too, right? So I think that's something that I hope stays true through this. I agree with you 100%. So kind of taking a look back and you, you kind of touched on it, but taking a look back, is there anything that you would change uh, in the past, like 12 months, 14 months, like knowing what you know now, is there any approaches to your marketing that you would have done differently? Like any, any learnings, not just for like in a COVID environment, but any learnings that you look to uh, uh, bring forward today on, on, with the theme of marketing? Honestly, you can say no too. That's okay. I really, I really wouldn't. And you, you know why? Uh, I made mistakes along the way, and um, you know, nothing over the past year was was according to a plan, and it was like that for everyone. And it's it's human to make mistakes. I think that you know, in the context of what was going on, I did my best for my family and for my team here at Frog and Toad. And I don't, yeah, I wouldn't do anything differently. I think, you know, if I were to bake it down, it'd be, you know, some, you know, very, you know, basic like operational stuff that I maybe would have, would have tweaked. But in terms of like commanding our message and what we put out, you know, public facing, I, I'm good with it. I think that, you know, it's, it's possible because it's inevitable that, um, you know, maybe I had oversights where I didn't give, you know, due credit for stuff uh or um you know did thank the the you know people that helped along the way but you know that i think that's that's part and parcel to the human experience and you you learn from it and you grow it's like getting awarded an oscar and you give your speech and like that uh, that actress i'm in this metaphor i'm the actress that actress uh is speeding through and being like i want to thank 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 and they you know they got only so much time to get all those thank yous in and you never really, get, you never touch everybody, but we, everyone understands because really we're just all out there doing our best in the, in that brief amount of time before the, the curtain credits come on and uh, the commercial queue comes up. So yeah, I, I, I'm good with it. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's, that's one thing that we've learned to um, over the past 12 months uh, ourselves is like, just do it. Like, it doesn't need to be perfect. Like, I, I'm sensing that. It's like, it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be like this perfectly orchestrated, like marketing strategy. Like, if you like it, if you like the idea, like, just, just do it. Like, put yourself out there. Like, be authentic. Like, um, it's yeah. something that we've been forced to, to lean into. Yeah. And just that theme of being super genuine. And I, I just want to like, take what we talked about there and just, we talked a lot about the past and like this, this past year and stuff. And like, I just want to get your outlook on like, people are getting vaccinated. Things are starting to open back up. Like 
are you psyched to open open back up the shops and like start talking to people again and it's like uh <laughs> i mean that is a crazy question john right um i think that uh if i could introduce another metaphor and thank you for your patience with my metaphors guys um it's a little bit like uh myself and my team here are like cave mice um we're like albino blind uh you know afraid of the light um you know we've been working in seclusion for over a year uh and the idea of opening up that cave door and letting you know spelunkers come in with flashlights is a little bit um disconcerting <laughs> but i know that i know that once you know we're fully operational again um it's going to feel great to to be having a that human contact it's just i think we're going to be missing all of the social cues you know i think i think uh, frog and toad is not well socialized at this point so i mean nobody is at this point <laughs> we, we just started opening back up the office and it's crazy because like i've seen people i haven't seen in a year now like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is nuts <laughs> i mean it's it's all good somebody you know i'm i'm uh, fully vaccinated now and i i've already received a couple of like hugs uh and it's you know they've been like the first hugs that weren't my family in the past like year or so and i've been like what is this physical <laughs> sensation i'm experiencing and why does my heart have some joy in it i don't understand what to do with these emotions am i doing this um, right? yeah. yeah i don't know man i just i think that uh I, I think you know picking up on that same note i think that we all just um need to have like some elevated compassion uh, and um, understanding for all of our neighbors as we do enter into this uh, reemergence, because um, it's not as easy for some folks as, as it is for others. I think a lot of folks have very real social anxieties that have been exposed over the course of the past year. And they might be, you know, uh, they might be working in a theater or a grocery store or what have you. But I think that uh, this pandemic has has probably exposed a lot, and it's it's informed me a lot about challenges are out there, like on an individual level and a, on a societal level that I may not have been aware of prior. And so I just think that being empathetic towards uh, our fellow man at this time is more important than other uh, than ever. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy because we had the uh, the thought of the new normal being drilled in our head everywhere you looked, and now this is another new normal. You know, yeah. like the old normal is the new normal now. So, it's and gonna that's going to be different in a week, right? It's going to take time, but yeah, yeah. No, I, I I went to the gym yesterday and I walked in and no one was wearing a mask, and it just it it was so weird to feel that it, it was it seems like something was wrong, right? So it's like, this, this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But anyways, um, so last question, Asher, is for other retail shops that are listening, if there's one thing that you've learned over the past 20 years in terms of marketing, if you were to distill it down, like what advice would you give other retail shops, whether it's, whether it's e-commerce or in-person, or you can split them, but is there any like major learning suggestions, um, resources, like anything that you would give to new entrepreneurs? Yeah, I, I mean, geez, so much. I think that um, you know, in in my first years of business, I learned the important of importance of having contacts that that would help me. So like, 
I, I knew I needed to have a, a plumber that I could turn to, an electrician and all of those things because I can't do that. And then I learned that that extends uh, beyond uh, the trade skills uh, in, into every other aspect of your uh, business life. So my advice would be to don't be too proud to solicit help, advice, influence, uh, look at, at the resources that are there uh, on, in your neighborhood, uh, on your, uh, in your community. Our partnership with Growth Lab as an example is, is excellent because you know here we were trying to basically start a brand new business uh, where there wasn't one and we didn't know how to do it. But what you do in that situation is you find somebody that does. And that is how you be successful. You pepper everything with who you are at your core, the heart that you bring to the job when you wake up in the morning. But in terms of guidance and how to navigate, it's so critical that you, you get influence and ideas from outside parties. It's far too easy to, in any business, one like mine or other, to operate in a silo where you're just on your, your daily grind and you're not thinking outside of that. And I think above all other advice that I could give, it would be to break out of that silo and uh, uh, look around and lean on people who can help and advise. I love that. It's about the people around you. It doesn't matter if you are a, um, if you're a machine shop, like you still need people, right? So you, you can't do things alone. There's no such thing as a one man band. So I love that. In closing, Asher, any last minute, any plugs, any, how can, how can people find you? How can people find Frog and Toad? Yeah. Uh, so we, we uh, are hopefully going to be open for in-person shopping in a matter of weeks. We're doing some renovations right now. So uh, at that time, you'll be able to find us at 795 Hope Street. We have a website that is uh, frogandtoadstore.com where you can find us then and before. Um, and then I think that, you know, for plugs and, and you know, uh, not to be uh, pithy, but, you know, over the course of the past year, I, I mentioned all of those community partnerships that we tried to lean on to get through. And, um, I just, I learned a lot about what's going on in the nonprofit community here in Rhode Island that I didn't know before. So I'd wanna use this time to, to plug the great work that's being done by so many uh, organizations like the Rhode Island Foundation, Progressa Latino, uh, Thunder Mist Health Centers, uh, Meals on Wheels, uh, the House of Hope, the Nonviolence Institute, uh, EcoRI News. There, there are just so many incredible people that are working to do good here that don't get acknowledged. And uh, it has been like such a gift to be able to be on the street, to be on the ground, seeing what these folks do. It's been so inspiring. So if I'm giving anybody a shout out, it's, it's uh, probably all the, the good hearted folks that are working in those uh, nonprofits. I love that. Awesome. Cool. Well, Asher, can't thank you enough. Always fun. Appreciate you coming on today. I recommend everyone check out Frog and Toad and thank you. Thank you so much. I loved this conversation. Um, I'm welcome. I mean, I'm, I'm available to come back at any time. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me. Cool. Let's do it. Part two coming soon. All right, cool. Thank bye, you. Asher. All right. Bye now. Okay, Steve, that was good. That's a wrap for this week's raw take. That was great. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. In the raw take for CEOs.